Welcome to the fifth episode of Output Galleries podcast. We started with an origin story episode, followed by artist interviews with Joseph Cockrave, Lotiani, and Shaila Kamari Singh Behrman. But if you missed that or any of those, all you need to know is that Output Gallery is a small space in Liverpool city centre that opened in April 2018. Output Gallery works exclusively with creatives from or based in Merseyside. It has a high turnover of exhibitions and it aims to support its art scene and raise the profile of local artists. My name is Gabrielle De La Puente and I run the space and I've started this podcast series in response to lockdown and like this weird time after it where lockdown has basically been lifted but we know many people are still shielding or just preferring not to be in big busy public spaces so we want to use this podcast series as an attempt to allow people to engage with exhibitions and artist ideas from afar. We still want you to get to know the artists we work with and so going forward we'll be publishing interviews with artists on their work, their ideas, their show output and just all their scenes, uh, behind the scenes processes and inspirations um, and also of course their experience of being a part of our local art scene. So in this episode we are joined by Gold Akambi who exhibited in group show Output Open 2 at the gallery last year and now returns for a solo exhibition which will be taking place September the 3rd until the 27th. Akambi is a neurodiverse British-Nigerian multidisciplinary artist. She works from a foundation of intersectionality. Her work mainly focuses on Afrofuturism, traditional African spirituality and the black body and the physical land it is indigenous to. So... The first question I've been asking everyone on the podcast is just the simple, how are you? And how has lockdown been for you? Um, oh my God, it's been a roller coaster. I want to pretend that it's been fine and I've been like really like, you know, proactive and I've been exercising and doing yoga and doing all those online yoga classes <laughs> via Instagram and Zoom, but I just have not. I had a major depressive episode at the beginning of it. It took, I had to watch House, the whole, all the seasons of House on Prime Video to be like, my life isn't that bad, let me get it together. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm okay now, kind of. And then I started making art again. I started talking to people again and I was like, okay, this isn't, I can survive this. So that's pretty much what it's been like. Yeah. It's, I feel like I've heard a little bit of that from everyone. They've either gone full on productive or just yeah. like, like I think I did what you did where it really yeah. took me aback and it took me a while to like get back on my feet. I think it's weird for people. Oh, I'm not trying to be rude, but I think it's weird for people to be really productive. I think because in my mind, I was just seeing people die. So I was like, just, I think that was freaky. And, um, our government was just like, yeah, everything's fine, guys. Go out and buy some food or, you know, whatever. And it's just, <laughs> it, it was just really like, I felt very, it felt very dystopian. Like the Matrix, for God's sake. But um, yeah, it was nice to feel like my feet are on the ground again. <laughs> it does feel dystopian. It's just, it's so, it's so strange because I feel like we've been left in this very odd space of having to take care of ourselves when the state exists to look after us, but it doesn't seem to be doing that. So we're suddenly making our own rules. And when you feel very alone, you tend to isolate yourself to create a sense of actual, to like to actually create a sense of freedom. We have to then isolate ourselves, which is really weird. But then we, 
realize other people don't function like that and if you want to facilitate other people's freedom we need to also facilitate their needs and i guess things like gallery spaces and workshops and um opening nights i'm meant to be going to an opening night in like two or three weeks and i'm like panicking <laughs> but you know yeah i guess it it is really weird and it's slightly it's overwhelming and but ugh. yeah just so weird let's let's talk about something nicer <laughs> your shower output yes. <laughs> <laughs> um what i've also been interested in is just like a way into getting to know someone like what has your relationship been like with art like where did it start how did it start what did you used to make um oh, art's been weird for me because my parents were always very afraid about me doing artwork um my first piece of art was like a little book I made after reading a biology book of women's bodies and it was like a replica of different types of women's bodies and my mom was just like what the fuck is this and my sister freaked out and was like this is bad and I was like <sighs> so art started out like that for me I came back to art when I was about 23 actually so not that long ago maybe about five years ago and um that was going through other. Uh, that was after going through other avenues like writing, photography, fashion, even. But um, I couldn't help myself but do art. I couldn't help myself but become an artist. So it's been kind of painful, but it's been necessary to healing in like many different ways that I I couldn't find. I couldn't find any other tools or mechanisms that could help me heal from certain things that no one else could talk to me about or could help me through. So yeah, it's quite it's been tumultuous on like a social level and in like an internal way. <laughs> Do you find then that the healing comes through in like the act of actually sitting down to make something? Or is it in like the end product? You see it and then you feel like something's like there's been some kind of uh, reconciliation. I don't get that. You know what's really weird? Once I make work I really don't care about it. I'm like, all right, yeah, that exists now. <laughs> but when I'm making it, there's this like there's this feeling of acknowledgement of myself and my space in the world and the universe that it, that I inhabit and the world that I'm creating for myself. It's very strange, but it is it is more like a, a moment of creation. That's where my serotonin comes from, or whatever they call it, whatever hormone that is released when you're making these things is is when I get I get it when I'm making it. Once I'm done, it's that's, really, that's really interesting. That's. Really? Yeah, 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 that's really interesting. That's what I was kind of getting the yeah. sense of, and that's why I wanted to ask it. Like, like you're you're so much in the process, and that's what you, yeah. Do you ever find them that because that's the part that you are maybe enjoying more so than the end product, like you drag that out? Do you ever like spend? I do. I procrastinate so much. I'll be researching symbolism and crap, and it's just so unnecessary. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> I should just finish this painting. It is really bad. I feel I feel kind of like guilty sometimes for like not finishing something the way I should. But I think it's just that, you know, I think it's there's there's the productivity side of making art. And um, I've always been really scared of falling into this kind of factory like setting or behavior. So yeah, I do procrastinate a lot because I try to do this. I, I, no, I won't say I try to because 
it's actually harder for me to concentrate than it is for me to go off into a tangent, as you can probably tell. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then you said that before coming to, like, visual art, you had gone through these different avenues of, like, photography, sub-fashion. Um, has any of that stayed with you in the current work that you're making? Yeah, I, I, inevitably, actually. I think sometimes in a positive way and sometimes in a negative way. So sometimes when I'm doing photography for my artwork and I'm putting together things, I'll be like, oh, is this tacky? And, you know, I can hear the voice of like a, of like a fashion teacher in my head, like, oh, this is very tacky. I once had a teacher say to me, oh, this is very Frida Kahlo-esque in like a very de- derogatory way. So <laughs> like, I think sometimes... Um, it borders on a cliche when I'm making artwork. It can be very, I, I get worried that I'm being too stuck in the aesthetic mode. But then having other avenues to balance that out, like writing and um, I guess capturing things for what they are with photography, it, it kind of makes me not fall into the shallowness that art can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, has lockdown change the things that you make in any way or like your reason for making it like how has lockdown affected your practice oh my god I think lockdown it's gonna sound really cheesy but lockdown really made me reach for Nirvana I I couldn't run closer or run faster than I have right now because it is just I never want to go back to that moment where I was so sad I was so sad that I was like this is freaking me out. I never want to be this sad again. And I never want anyone to feel this sad or feel like they can never come out of it. And so I revisited aspects of, because sometimes my work is very, it can be very heavy, depressing. So um, I looked back to my childhood, which had a few traumatic events in it. And I decided to look upon the events and the moments in my life that were pleasurable. And um, I made artwork around that. I mean, I, I made a night in a very short space of time because there was a lot of high energy and a lot of like emotion that came very quickly. But um, yeah, lockdown definitely made me be on some kind of emotional journey to healing in a way that isn't, that doesn't focus on the trauma itself, but focuses on actually reaching healing, actually like acknowledging positivity, actually acknowledging the good actually building my concept of self-esteem and you know self-worth and sometimes it's also okay to have an ego I think I think having that was also a very hard acknowledgement because you know I didn't want to be the angry black woman or the black woman who was too demanding and I think um yeah this lockdown has definitely made me rearrange my whole identity even to a certain extent and um it's, it's been difficult but ironically, I haven't gotten that thing. What do they call it? That syndrome. What's that syndrome called? Where people are like, where they feel like they're faking it till they make oh, it. Imposter. Impo- imposter huh? syndrome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Imposter syndrome. Normally, I get that all the time, but this time I didn't get it because I just couldn't be bothered to focus on it. I didn't have, I didn't have that energy left to focus on, on feeling like an imposter. that's good that sounds like a really healthy place to be like you 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 release yourself of imposter syndrome like there's there's no space for it you just want to be happy you just want to make things yeah yeah and and I've realized 
it's it's made me create boundaries, but it's also made me understand other people's boundaries. And I've had to accept that as well. So it's been it's been a challenge because I've had to be like, God, you're being a bitch. And then I've had to be like, God, they're not being nice towards you. And then yeah, so mm-hmm. so yeah. It's been weird. It has been yeah. <laughs> and then what what I mean, like I feel like you've just answered this a little bit, but what inspires your art? Oh God, you know, I want to say it's just my life experiences, but sometimes my imagination doesn't often feel like my life experiences. Like there's so much fantasy that goes on in my my mind. And um, I'm not sure if this is part of having um, ASD or being neurodiverse, but I have very vivid dreams and I can remember them. I remember dreams from when I was like nine or like younger. So like, you know, I have those and then I have really vivid memories and because I have such a strong imagination I'm always just I could create like whole scenarios in a few minutes so I don't know how much is um what really inspires my art rather than what really inspires what I put on a canvas because I feel like um when it comes to canvas work like recently I, I remembered that before I went to university a lot of my work looked like um blueprints for stuff so what, what I feel like I'm actually making is like a map or something or like a visual aid to my own brain. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no other way for me to explain it. That's interesting. And then are there any artists that you like, you know, really like? Yeah, I feel like, um, like I mentioned architect, architecture, I'd say Zaha Hadid, mainly because she was a painter as well as an actual architect. And um, I could see how her work really inspired me. So, yeah, that was really inspirational for me. But um, also, this is corny because everyone says her name, but Frida Kahlo, that's because when I first saw her work, I was like 10. And I was like, wow. And from her work, I made my first piece of poetry. So it was very, that was very inspiring for me because I feel like when I was seeing art at that age, everything was very pleasurable and very fairytale-like and with flowers. There's nothing wrong with fairy tales, but... I could tell that at that age, that life wasn't as pleasurable as everybody was pretending that it was. So seeing work by Frida Kahlo was very affirming. That sounds very tragic, but it's not as tragic as you think it is. Um, yeah. And now that you've grown up into that world, like how, it, you know, that might not be as happy as it's shown or like pretend, like yeah. presented to kids. How do you think art fits into like, I don't know, just people's lives? Like it's something that I think quite, I think about quite a lot in terms of just the TV that we watch, the video games that we play, the music that we choose to listen to. Like, how, how do you think art, art like fits into society? I think it's ridiculously. I cannot emphasize how important I think it is. Like it it validates so many people's emotions, feelings, and it creates inspiration to create, to to just not even just create things, but also understand things and to broaden your mind and just the expanse of your understanding, wisdom, everything, and your knowledge. I think, I, I recently saw today someone tweet that art was propaganda. I don't always believe it has to be. I think that's a certain type of art. I think, art can be educational art can challenge you and you can challenge art and um i believe that art is almost as important as like you know social policy and state policy 
I believe that it is fundamental to who we are as people. And because what, what we surround ourselves with ultimately becomes part of us. And um, what we internalize as culture or as high culture, as, as low culture, as um, knowledge, as what is, what is valuable is intrinsic. So I think it's so important. I, I feel like, you know, obviously in the society we currently live in with our current government in place, it is looked down upon to a certain degree and it's seen as some very, very fancy thing that people just sit in their houses, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, and, you know, drinking wine do because they have nothing else to do, which I find very insulting. <laughs> so, <laughs> It is strange, isn't it? And it's, yeah. I feel like this question is only going to get more um, more troubling in terms of like the upcoming recession and where mm. money is going to get cut from, which is always the arts. But like none of us, I don't think, could have survived lockdown without it. Like if you couldn't have watched YouTube, like people's content on the internet, if you couldn't have read books or do all these different things, like as you say, do they think that people just sit in their houses and like sit down and do nothing? Like we, we spend time with art. Exactly. Scary. Exactly, especially for like visual artists. I feel like people only value artists that perform on a large scale and small scale artists are like, you know, people who make short films, for instance, or people who make films for film festivals, People see them as people who are doing frivolous work, but we actually inspire the people who go on to make films and series and to create whole platforms where you can view these things. And I think we we underestimate how organic creation really is, which is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you've exhibited at Output once before as part of a group show. For any listeners who didn't catch that exhibition or maybe haven't seen images of it online, what was the piece of work that you put in that show? Oh, it was called Beautiful Blue. <laughs> I forgot about that for a second, you know. It was a short moving image. It, I was actually doing performance art and um, it was a combination of performance art and spoken word. I was half naked throughout the piece. So I was naked from my midriff upwards and I was covered in blue paint. Um, it actually started off with me being covered, with me covering myself in the blue paint, and then I was later fully covered, and then I was physically performing with movement and gestures. And um, that piece was very freeing for me when I was making it. I I think I didn't realise what I was making when I was making it, you know, because I was genuinely <laughs> unfazed by the whole thing. Um, when it came time to editing it, that's when the full the full nature of what I had created hit me because then there was all this drama with somebody editing with me and their girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. And um, I think I didn't realise that by initiating this freedom within myself, I was challenging so many other people and so many things. I think that was quite scary, actually, creating and then seeing a backlash. Um, definitely put me on edge. <laughs> And what was what right. was the backlash? Um, I think I had a few comments. I had a few comments like um, it it has affected 
some of my friendships in the sense that some people see me as very much like, oh, you know, oh, I saw your TikTok output or something. And I was like, yeah, I know, right? But to them, that was like a joke. And I was like, it's really inappropriate, love. But I was just, <laughs> just let it go. It has affected um, some of my romantic relationships in the sense that they've been a bit like, it makes me a little uncomfortable, but I think they've gotten used to that now. They're, they're okay with it. Uh, well, not that, let's not go that far. They're not okay with it, but they've accepted it as, as a given. And then there was obviously like, you know, making work like this. And then there's my whole community behind me, the whole Nigerian community just being like, I don't think they've really seen it. <laughs> so, but making work like this and then actually putting it out, I think that's why I haven't actually put it on a platform either. Yeah. Um, does it does it put you off doing work that involves like your body again? I have issues because it made me more stubborn. <laughs> it actually made me more stubborn. It made me more like, you know, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it in a way that I feel safe. You can tell me that this is this and that. I will just do it in a way that I feel as safe as possible. If you feel harmed in the long run. I don't know what to do about that anymore because I'm beginning to wonder, do I have to constantly give trigger warnings or, you know, do I have to say, oh, I'm doing this or I have to inform everybody or, you know, am I doing something that is really that bad? I once, I, I actually met an artist, very well-known artist in Nigeria who owns an art gallery and I asked her, oh, I, I showed her my work and she was like, oh, this work is great. But she was like, we can't have that here on this floor because there are children. And I was like, <laughs> and I was just like I just feel like people can't see our faces and was, was, <laughs> but, I know yeah people can't see our faces um, was that the piece that you'd shown at Output that she said you couldn't show it I showed her pictures of that but I sh- yeah actually it's, it was images from that it was unbelievable how tame it is in terms of like showing boobs <laughs> like it's fine <laughs> it is so like it's I not it was gesturing i don't think it's the boobs you know i think it's the gesturing i think it's the level of like performance i put into it with my nudity i think that's what freaked everybody oh, out God. what freaked me out was that i was so okay with doing it's it your comfortability that like threatens them yeah it's like how can you be that comfortable showing nakedness everybody wants you to perform in a certain way to be to be at the end of the gaze but when you're your gaze for yourself or when you're saying i don't give a fuck whether or not you look at me what you think of me that freaks people out it's, <laughs> and they don't realize it it's so interesting it's it's so interesting to me because i i see like white women who are skinny like skinny white women small chests like if they do anything in their art there is no rumble there's nothing but and yet like it no one has anything to say everyone loves it they're like she's so amazing yeah suddenly that's fashionable yeah. that's fashionable art but like black women I don't can't think do the same to thing. Oh, Gabby, like you don't understand. <laughs> I mentioned this on my first day of university, my very first day, because we had a performance artist we had to still like draw, and I was like, this is a bloody cliche. She was skinny, she was a redhead, it was like something out of a pre-Raphaelite painting. And I was just like, she was pretty. Not, yeah, yeah. Not saying so she wasn't not, good, she yeah. was. But it was like, you people, you people are lazy. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm going to be here and things are going to happen. It's going to be awkward for me. And I, and I knew from then that this wasn't going to be an easy journey. So then for the show that you are about to put on, the solo exhibition, 
for yeah. any listeners who may maybe in Liverpool may be able to make it or may not what are you planning on doing and when you walk into the space what will it be like I'm hoping for it to be a full-on sensory um I don't know what to call it I want people to be as immersed into the show as possible into the space as possible so there will be a combination of text and the paintings on the wall that are separate from the actual paintings on the canvas or on paper. Um, I kind of want to envelope people into the space of the different things that are going on, but I don't want to freak out at the same time. So <laughs> I'm going to try and make sure that people can still like navigate things visually. Unfortunately, I don't have any, um, what do they call it? I, I don't have any performance art this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, pandemic, I- it makes sense. <laughs> yeah so um also yeah there's no space the time frame i think with everything going on i normally have more help as well so um in in terms of making certain things so my work is very it is very visual right now it's very gestural it is it is kind of like action art i guess um because for me the action of making it is so important um, I always make all my work on the floor if that helps in one's imaginations. <laughs> and um, what do you use to make it? Yeah. Um, what do you mean? Like what types of paint? Like, yeah, materials. Oh, okay. Um, I'm very heavy on the impasto. I don't know why. It's just really something very fun for me to do. It's like I can create a sculpture on on the layer that is 2D. So I use um, canvas fabric for one of my larger pieces. And um, I've actually used a piece of batik that I bought from Nigeria years ago. And I really wanted to make clothes out of it, but it wasn't big enough. So I decided to use that to actually write on it and create text, to to create text-based work. And um, I've also made work on paper. But yeah, everything feels like, I feel kind of traditional this time. yeah which isn't really my thing but um i've also tried to make it as original as possible and try to make it as i self-identifying for myself as possible mm-hmm. in what sense in the set um so like colors that i've used normally i use very dark colors i feel like that comes across as almost very masculine without me meaning for it to um so I use the color pink. What people don't know is that I actually really like the color pink. Like I'm actually a big fan of the color pink. Um, if I had a bathroom and I was gonna be really like kitschy, I'd make the whole thing like pink, marble, and like same, you know, cocoa <laughs> style, like really extra. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think pink is me showing what I fear people seeing is like this tacky, cheesy side to me. But I feel like it's very important for me to also show that splash of color and that vulnerability so um i think it's going to be quite strange for people to walk into now i think about it <laughs> excited normally like with the i mean this podcast has only been running for a very short time but we've not recorded the podcast yet where i even i didn't quite know what the result would be like so it's kind of nice to get yeah. get a preview just like through your language um and then we're going to be installing it next week so yeah so one thing I wanted to ask because um, 
of course output works with people from or based in Merseyside and you're not you weren't born here like what has it been like move like coming into into Liverpool what do you think of the city how have you found the art scene the studies like has it been easy for you to get involved in Wow, that is a really noted question, Gabby, because I recently was thinking about that and it's been, there's been different feelings for everything. The art scene in Liverpool is amazing. Well, I don't know how amazing it is for people who are actually born and raised in Liverpool. Um, I think there's a lot of international artists in Liverpool. I wonder what it would be like if there were more artists from Liverpool being given such large platforms. Um, I do think the art scene is great. I actually do think the Tate is doing very well. So if we're going to mention, you know, very obvious places like the Tate, I feel like some of the other galleries could do with a bit more. I don't know what to say. <laughs> they could do with a bit more. Um, I don't know, an injection of life, maybe. And um, when it comes to like the actual city and the people on a social level, it's been it's been a bit of a challenge. Because Liverpool is very nice. It's, it's very beautiful. Like, like the tourist areas are gorgeous, you know, being by the sea, being by the river. And then, you know, you have the beaches that aren't so far away. It's like 20 minutes away on the train and stuff. So, you know, Liverpool is a very, like, it can be very aesthetically pleasing. But when, um, when I was there for my first year, I was actually living in um, Kensington. So I was living in Kenny. It was, I was living in, like, proper ends, babe. Like, they were like... That's where, that's where I grew up. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> because there was this whole life behind the life of tourist Liverpool and, you know, the, behind the life of high-end art. And I was just like, this is freaky. But I feel like Liverpool did kind of show me the realities of, of, of the art world and the spaces it inhabits and who really has access to it. And, um... Yeah, it, it was an emotion. It's been an emotional time, and education-wise, I think edu I think education-wise, Liverpool made me realise that a lot of art institutions are still kind of like a massive part of ladder culture. I've seen so many girls walk in in like skirts and walk out in jogging bottoms and trainers because they didn't want to feel too feminine. Not that there's anything wrong with wearing jogging bottoms and trainers. I'm just saying that like walking into my university and then talking about the divine feminine and spirituality was freaky for some of my tutors. I'm like, what is this you're talking about? And then, you know, being femme how I am as a black woman, I'm like, I think I'm the only black girl on my course now. So I think there's one other Asian girl in my year and that's it. And uh, That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah. And um, I feel like I've been accused of tokenism once or twice. And I'm just like, it's not my fault they're not bringing in black people. What do you want me to do? Should I come and start? What do you want me to do? <laughs> Should I leave? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been really intense. But then it, it's also, I feel like it's given me the reality that I needed. So I can't mm -hmm. hide behind social media. I can't hide behind a facade. I can't hide behind London. And um, yeah, so I think it's, you it's been healthy. Do you think you'll stay after you've finished your degree? Oh, oh my God, babe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I recently was working in someone's um, studio space on Monday to help create her new studio. And I met one of her 
assistants that were like me and she was trying so hard to convince me to be part of um this london art scene and i was like but it's making you kind of crazy i don't know if i want to be <laughs> part of this art scene and i felt rude but i was also just like london's a really crazy place it's too manic people here are nuts and um i love london i do I don't know if I mean that though. I don't know if I love London because I'm supposed to, or if it's, and it's an extension of my actual identity, or if I love it because I find it somewhere to be a safe space for myself, which is, which is why it's so confusing. It is really hard for me. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'll ever really find a place where I feel safe, but in terms of making art, that's where my safety is. So I don't know, babe. Just got to wait and see. Yeah. So one thing I did want to mention before we round off is that you were one of the recipients of the new Black Artist Grant earlier this year, which was, uh, which is a fund set up and funded by Creative Debuts. And the selectors for it are going to be like changeable. But when you were selected, it was by Rooted Zine, who we're very familiar with. Um, because they're a zine based in Liverpool mm. who raise the profile of artists of colour across the northwest. Um and also they've done an exhibition in output. They curated something last year. Yeah. So how did it feel to receive the artist grant? First of all, I'd just like to say that Amber is amazing. So shout out to Amber. <laughs> um it was it was kind of surprising. You know what? I think I never realised what it felt like to have support before that for my artwork. And um, that was surprising in terms of my own emotions because I was like, wow, I actually have support. People are acknowledging my work. This is what it feels like to feel acknowledged. And I was like, wow, okay, maybe I could actually do this as a life thing then. And um, the money was really helpful, especially during this time. And um, I think it gave me a certain level of hope in terms of what the art world can be like and what it can be like to be a black woman artist such as myself or a black non-binary artist or just a black femme artist who often feels like they are pushing you know the margins of their marginalization and they're saying look i exist um it was very affirming in so many different ways especially in terms of social media, because I don't really use social media. I don't actually put all my art on social media. So just for them to then say, oh, you know, put all this stuff on social media, I was like, oh, okay, this is great. But I feel so odd when I say that, but I'm just not a great social media person. It's just the way of the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was um, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, have you got anything else that you'd like, any listeners to know about your practice have you got anything coming up after the show i know you're gonna have your final year of I mean, yeah oh my gosh yeah, thanks for mentioning that because i forgot i have things okay um i actually have a commission for dada fest coming up to make a short film yeah actually I'm, I'm not sure what when are you releasing this podcast? I hope you release it after they announce it. That <laughs> well, it'll be like a little Easter egg at the end of the episode if anyone has like listened to the whole thing. Um, no, anyway, I don't think they'll care about this now. Like... It'll be okay. <laughs> but that's amazing. So 
if anyone doesn't know, Dada Fest is a disability arts organization based in Liverpool. So what are you going to do for that? Um, I'm making the actual, um, the theme was translations. And I, um, my work is called The Misunderstandings of the Other Side. So The Misunderstandings of the Other Side is like, what life has been like with me actually translating and interacting with the world around me and my memories and, you know, just my general existence in terms of translating what people say to me or do to me or what's going on around me and understanding it in my mind and then having to translate how I feel or what I'm seeing or what I'm experiencing to other people. And, um, it's been difficult and also the literal translation of my culture and my heritage and then you know being black british because i often feel like one minute i'm black british the next minute i'm um, british nigerian which is two different things <laughs> surprisingly um mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's kind of what i'm exploring what are you like is the work that you're making for that commission but also the stuff that you're making in output is that also uh what you're creating in the studio in university yeah um yeah actually i tie in all the work i make in general i tie into my education as much as possible just because i think it's important to not only make work that interests you but also make work that interests you even in educational and academic spaces because i don't want to water myself down to create work that is appealing for them so yeah, anything I do make is also for my education. Ironically, the reason why I haven't finished one of my series is that I'm putting in output is because I actually have more to make, but it has to be for my my dissertation. <laughs> so yeah. What what are you uh, what are you writing about for your dissertation? Um. Oh, I'm actually. I think I'm writing about a combination of things. I think it was it was centering a lot on the femininity or or being femme the concept of innocence and the concept of sin. So I think I first got this idea when I compared two people I had read about, which was Yayo Kusuma and her own um, inspiration behind her art, which is very like sexual, very phallic. And then also the written works of Anais Nin, who if you don't know, her work is wild. I, I do know. <laughs> I'm still trying to read her work because I find it so overwhelming. It's so difficult. I'm like, who are you? But if you know her biography, it makes her work actually even more difficult to read. So I'm kind of in this space of comparing these two women, who one who people view as very innocent and the other one who people view as a deviant. And I think I'm comparing them in relation to myself. And um, yeah, there's more works that I'm using to amplify all this. But Yeah, no, it's interesting. I just asked because like, output works with artists at so many different levels of their career and mm-hmm. we have we work with students as well so it's kind of interesting to get a sense of what you're actually doing on the course as well as now in like your professional life as an artist <laughs> it's weird having a professional life and still being a student people are like what are you doing like you meant to be in school <laughs> and I'm like it's kind of it can I think it can be scary like you one thing I do see and one thing like if I can impart some wisdom on you is like sometimes galleries will want a certain thing from artists when they're very like early on in their career and they'll they'll want them to carry on doing that one thing 
and they like won't quite give them the space to spread out try new things take new risks so like just don't get stuck on that I can make sure that, that you're always like innovating yeah, yeah. I, i'm stubborn enough to still do things on the side even if they don't like it <laughs> so. good good <laughs> Well, thank you so much for speaking to me. Um, the next podcast interview we're going to be doing is with the Sing Twins, which is very exciting. So that's the show that will follow Golds, which I don't think I've announced yet. So again, if you've listened to the end of this podcast, surprise. <laughs> Golds exhibition is on our output from September 3rd until the 27th. We are open Thursdays till Sundays at the moment 11 till 5 and you can find us on 32 Seal Street have you got any places on the internet that people can find you yes you can find me on Instagram um honestly probably my stories are more helpful than my actual page because I post most of my work on my stories rather than my <laughs> actual feed so just in case you need and what to what is your name on instagram oh it's gold m i can be the m stands for maria so it's gold g-o-l-d i can be a-k-a-n-b-i and yes gold is my Mm -hmm. real name (laughs) (laughs) um and you're on twitter as well i am i didn't think people would want to follow me on twitter but um what is my oh it's metallic nuance metallic with two l's nuance I hope you can spell it because I don't want it. Yeah, nuance, yeah. Okay, fab. Well, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcast, but also I hope you can get a chance to go and see Gold's show in person. Fabulous. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.